Kute tendereza Yesu Yesu Orimana kwandika Yesu Musai Guguna sisa Nevasa Omulokosi Nababu Ulilangaba Tuobulo Kosi bonam, obuta talibachi tu du obula bolamo bobo kare Yesu tu mute tendeleza Yesu Yesu olimana guandika usai. Unazisa nevasa omulokozi kabamfa kubemunonga gunkabo nobusinche konatere onare. Mayesuna na kwe onjera Tumutende tukote Dereza Yesu Yesu olimana kwandiga Omusai Taiguna zisa Nebaza Yesu mulokozi Hallelujah. Lord, we bless you. Continue to extol and lift your name on high. What a blessing it is that we have identity with you. We, we are in your flock. We are in your, in, your, in, your, in your budget. The redeemed. When you are thinking about the men and women to redeem, we pre-existed in your eternal budget. And at the right time, you gave us a clear revelation of who you are. And you gave us the grace to respond to the call. So speak to us this morning as you consecrate us for the divine assignment. And bless every woman and man that is here, every soul, that it will fall into that divine assignment. In the name of Lord God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning. Praise the Lord. Wow. Thank you, uh, Reverend Cannon, for the welcome. Uh, the worship team, thank you. And all of us who have made it uh, for this Holy Communion service, uh, we thank God for you. I'm Reverend Anthony Kamkama Mugasha. I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm a pastor, I'm an evangelist, and a priest by divine calling. So those are my titles, full stop. This morning we are talking about consecrated for divine assignment. <clears throat> Open your Bibles in the Acts of Apostles, chapter 13. And we're going to pick it right there from verse 1. Uh, 
Acts of Apostles, chapter 13. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manae, a member of the court of Herod, the Tetrarch, and so on. While they were worshipping the Lord, fasting and praying, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of Jews, and they had John to assist them. When they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they came upon a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named but Jesus, he was with the proconsul, Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elmas, the magician or the Bajesus, for that is the meaning of his name, he opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him. And he said, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and evil lane, will you not stop making crooked and straight path of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. Immediately, mist and darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. And then the proconsul believed when he saw what had occurred, for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Receive the word of the Lord. Consecrated for divine assignment. <laughs> the early church, friends, in the New Testament, particularly in this text, when we draw into the geographical setup that was happening at Antioch, the church was going into a stage of reshaping up in the New Testament. And it is believed that the church at Antioch was primarily led by the prophets and the teachers. We don't see a pastor here. The prophets and the teachers, they were helping in administering the word of the Lord to the people, but also in shaping the spiritual and the physical scope of the church, the early church in the New Testament in this location at Antioch. Now, we also come to discover that one of the things that the church, the early church, particularly at Antioch, 
one of the things they esteemed most and they held very important was the culture of fellowshipping together and praying. But this praying was not only praying, but they also practiced the spiritual discipline of fasting. I was surprised to learn that the prophets and the teachers of the time, they really took it seriously. They knew they had actually discovered the secret in prayer and fasting. Oh, come today and speak at one of your pulpits and instruct the congregation and tell them tomorrow, Wednesday, all of us are going to be fasting. It is mandatory as a pastor, a spiritual leader, and overseer of the ministry at this ministry station. All of you, all the elders, all the church councils, all the worship team, all the ushers, all the men and women, the redeemed of the Lord, fasting. The next day, you might face it hot. Who does he think he is? Does he think those who fast are the ones who are spiritual? Where? But for these guys, <laughs> for these guys, it was the thing. And one of the benefits of that we are yet to discover, because when we hiken and comprehend to the leading of the Spirit, then the church is on the right path, and then the Lord begins communicating directly with his children. And so the elders, the prophets, and the teachers, they were all in prayer. They were all in prayer. And then to, to my surprise or my excitement, as they sought God in prayer, then God hiking because the Bible says that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. And it is the Bible that goes ahead and says that whoever knocks, the door shall be opened for them. And therefore, exactly this is what the church is doing. They are seeking God. They are at the church, at the synagogue, at the temple, seeking God. Possible about the ministry. Possible about some calamities that were affecting their time. Possible they had some bad politics at the time. Or maybe an uh, inflation. Or they also had some issues of unemployment. And they had issues in marriages. Many couples possibly were struggling in one way or another. It could be possible that their children had resorted to drugs. Don't think drugs came yesterday. It is possible that the evils that were negotiating through in our time, those guys, they were possibly facing the same or more complicated cases. And that's why they thought it wise to come together in the church and seek God in prayer and in fasting. And as they sought God then, on verse 2, the Holy Spirit came out. He responded to their seeking. And he comes to give guidance. The Holy Spirit, I rarely want to use he. I want to use she because she's the mother to the church. And the Holy Spirit comes and she guides the prophets and the teachers and how did she guide? While they were worshiping the Lord, fasting, the Holy Spirit spoke. 
Now, possibly he descended uh, upon, upon one of the prophets and he prophesied as the Spirit spoke through him. And this is what he said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work for which I have called them. Therefore, in order to seek for God's guidance, for God's illumination and empowerment, they needed to create time. Time for, for, for two things. Time, number one, for worshiping God. They worshipped God. They took time in worship. Not this three, three and a half minutes. Oh, you are worthy. Jesus, you are worthy. In Jesus' name. In a the minute they are done. These guys had ample time to worship God. For those of you who are old in age and possibly who have read about history, you know the African kings that they would create a time and sit in their palace and there was a particular team of entertainers who would come and dance before the king, do traditional dances and other music or play some stringed instruments you know, to, to appease the king. And this would take almost an hour, two hours. The king is seated and the Bacopia just is singing for him. Worshipping him, appeasing his ears. How then should we just come before the presence of God? Or even in your own private time of prayer, you rarely spend 20, 30 minutes in worship. Even at your family altars, you only use about seven minutes. That is including a song, testimony, and prayer. And these are very summarized. Testimony, thank God for food. Thank God for daddy. Le, 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 le. Okay, we pray our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Amen. Jesus, you see, you look, you observe. Thank you. Provide, protect, be with us. Daddy, grandpa, oh, my daddy's job, my job. Hey, in Jesus' name. Amen. As summarized as that. Everyone is diving into their rooms. When do you create ample time just to worship God? These guys created the moments to worship God. In order for us to fall into the divine planning of God and by the help of the Holy Spirit to get a revelation of God's design, uh, assignment that is set for each one of us individually or for us as a family or for us as a church. We need to be at the feet of God. We, we, we should find it easy to be at the feet of the Lord and just worship him. You feel you don't want to leave the presence of the Lord. Some of us, it's like we're being dragged into the presence of God. And you have put it on timing. But when you have just rushed into prayer or one song, you can get on bed and you can watch WhatsApp, you can check on your Facebook, you can check your emails for other two hours before sleep comes. Number two, they did not only seek God in, in, in worship, but they also sought him in fasting. What is fasting? Fasting is abstaining from, from certain things. That is depriving oneself from delicacies and other worldly items which would abstract a believer from discerning God's will. 
In fasting, we, we are guided to focus on God. He is the central focus. We withdraw our eyes from food, from delicacies, from sumptuous stuff. Why from food and other things? Because we are trying to say mortality is, is meaningless. We want to focus on the inner man, the invisible man in you. This outer man you are seeing here, he's a shell. That shell, I can guarantee you that day when it comes, you are going to remember. I can guarantee you that shell, someday it is going to crash. It will break. No matter the powerful hospitals they are going to fly you to, possibly you can manage, still, we are going to retrieve your body back at the airport. That shell is going to break. So the reason why we, 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 we spend the time in fasting we are trying to make ourselves spiritually sober. That the most important person on us is the invisible and the inner man. And so we focus unto God so that our inner man is empowered to have manipulation over the outer man. Most of the time we give a thorough care to the outer man. The best shoe, the best jean, the best shirt, the best watch, the best hairstyle, the best lip balm, and the, world, the best earring, the best best. This outer man, you say, ah, he's tired of walking in VTs. He needs a hammer, Range Rover. You push the outer man into the best best. He's tired of dust. I need a car with a better SC. You push the, the outer man into better everything. I, I think this outer man deserves a, a car in a house. I'm, I want to, to put the outer man in the high space to, to have a clear view of the community. You care for the outer man, the outer man. But that guy you are caring for sooner than later. He's gonna crash. Then our inner man is being malnutritioned and malnourished. He's as skinny as skinny itself. He's just there in a big, big shell that is yet to crumble. Ladies and gentlemen, in this holy communion service. And in this devotion, I want to invite us that we invest into eternity, we invest into our inner man. One of the things that God has continued to make clear to me as a pastor is to remind me every day that when I go and witness, I must be reminded that I have a destiny. And my destiny is to share into the eternal communion and fellowship with him. That is my purpose in life. As I witness, I don't want to be a signpost pointing people somewhere I will never be. I'd rather go and be with the rest of the world and enjoy myself and go for clubbing, change women and enjoy all worldly stuff so that I go in hell when I have actually benefited worldly. But if I want to be there and I have mortified myself and by God's grace I have not given in to gratify the desires of the sinful nature, I should be careful to fight so hard to make it in eternity, to be with him, the king of the universe, the savior of humanity. And that should be the same case with you. So if you choose God, choose him thoroughly well. Prioritize him. These apostles and prophets, these teachers and prophets, they did that. And they deprived themselves. And as we deprive ourselves of the world stuff, then we are drawing closer to the heavenly will. 
Then our spiritual antennae are up straight to pick our senses are working properly to pick from the throne of God his will concerning our lives and his kingdom on earth. Therefore, as they worshipped and fasted, the Holy Spirit spoke. At times, at times, it will take sincere seeking of God. It will take sincere worship of the Lord so that God will speak. There are men who come, but Muslim, but God does not speak. What's wrong? Because you are too, too worldly. Everything around is worldly. Your money is your money. No thinking about God, no tithe. When you are coming to give, God has given you 20 million, 5 million, you are just putting him 10,000 and you think that is the biggest note. You are too worldly. You, your eyes are that short-sighted and you, there is too much mass. There is a lot of matter seated on you and it has driven you into the worldly course. Men and women who have a kingdom mindset, God is the priority. He is. No wonder some of you have deemed it that right that you should always come on a day like this in the morning to begin with the Lord. No, no, not because, you know, but you, 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 there is a relationship between you and your God. And you feel you want more of him. You want your inner man to be empowered to overcome the manipulations of the outer man. In Acts of Apostles chapter 16, we are reminded of Paul and Silas. After they had been arrested because of witnessing in a particular territory. Publicly whipped and beaten, thoroughly well, dumped into the cell. And the next day they were to be produced before the court for a sentence. And the Bible tells us that when they got into the prison, they found other inmates. They were locked in there. And the guard was outside watching and guarding. And the Bible says it was around midnight. Paul and Cyrus, they looked around. The environment was hopeless. Very pessimistic. And I said, for us, despite the fact that we are inmates, we are prisoners, we are prisoners of hope. We are not like these others who have no faith, who have no God. They have been punished by their wickedness and their evils. So they said, why don't we worship? And they began in the middle of the night, singing on the heavenly key with the heavenly keyboard and tune. And they began, you are the Lamb of God. They forgot about their pains, the blood oozing. They forgot about the gloomy environment. When they looked straight to the sky, they saw the radiant glory of the risen Lamb of God. And they said, God would rather worship you than lamenting with the rest of the people. And as they worship, the Bible says, Katona Muguruna the aroma of the sincere worship from the hearts of the inmates and prisoners who don't have iPhones, who don't have any meaningful car, who don't have any, any title. Is this, 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 you know, they had no title. They were ordinary men full of the Holy Spirit. And he received the aromatic worship and the Lord responded possibly. He opened the heaven door to look down and see what these guys that have gathered some momentum to begin worshipping in the middle of the night. Not only that, but I can see the worship 
ascending from the prison. This is a very rare case. And as God was witnessing, then his glory descended and the chains fell off their hands. Door was loosened and there was a lightning and a shining in the cell. Worshipping God, sincere worship can break chains. It realigns you into the eternal assignment. Some of us are going to worship, we are very mechanical. Very mechanical, we have mastered the art. God, have mercy upon us. So chains broke off because of a sincere worship. So the Holy Spirit spoke to the prophets and the teachers, set apart Barnabas and so for some eternal assignment that they have to accomplish. So set them up, spot. let them be consecrated. Consecration means to be made sacred, to be dedicated, to be ordained, and to be devoted. So set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for that work which I have called them. There are four friends. The reason many of us have not been greatly used by God is possible we are not yet set apart. We are not yet consecrated. We are still living ordinary lives, yet desire to be used for divine assignment. Before I came to Christ, I used to love pork. Me and pork, we were inseparables. At some point when the world was hitting me so badly, and I think that's why I got addicted to eating this animal. When life hit me so bad, it was in 2000, between 2001 and 2002. When I was tired of a street life, now this time I was growing up a little bit mature and getting, you know, ashamed of picking food from dustbin and whatnot. So I, 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 the Lord guided me to some pork joint. And I went to ask for a job so that I begin earning. Because I, I used to smoke cigarettes, take drugs, and at times I needed money to buy those drugs. So I thought if I get a job, it can help me to buy my drugs. So I go to a pork joint. And this guy gives me work. Nganza fumba pork, picking orders and going to the kitchen. Now these are not modern kitchens in Kampala here. In those villages, it is a very a little uh, covered shirt and you are there in the smoke. You're using these local woods. And you are there. The frying pan itself is as dark as darker itself. Everything, the environment is that dirty, but the animal is very sweet. And because of that work, I would, people would make orders, two kilograms, one kilogram, and because I got addicted, I would make sure as I fly for them, I would tithe every, every part I'm cooking. By the time the thing gets ready, about seven, ten pieces have disappeared <laughs> into my central government. And so, the, the, I got addicted to pork. At times, I, would, I knew the best part, I would eat ears, this front mouth, and these hooves, they were very sweet. We had learned the technique of making them. I loved pork. So by the time I came to Christ, of course, I know biblically taking pork is not sinful. Taking pork is okay. But when I came to Christ, the Lord spoke to me. I was in seven days of prayer and fasting at a particular hill. As a little boy, I had that passion and zeal that was eating me up. And the Lord spoke to me clearly and said, 
I have set you apart, young man. But then I was in senior two. I have set you apart, and I want you to accomplish a particular eternal assignment. Therefore, you shall never drink alcohol, anything that is alcoholic, and you should stop taking pork. The Holy Spirit told me that taking pork is not sinful. But for the calling that he had put on me, I had to stop taking pork. Now, I'm not saying that taking pork, you are not holy. No, you are holy. But depending on the calling that God is setting you for. If God is calling you to be, it depends on the calling. So don't feel guilty. Go ahead and eat your pork. But at some point, God might tell you don't eat pork. At some point, you might be planning to marry and where the Lord tells you, I don't want you to marry. I want you to serve me as a single man and, ma and woman. And so the Lord made it clear that the calling he was putting on my life, he didn't want me to take pork. And I battled with him. How would you separate me from pork? And I insisted. I went to some Pentecostal church in Kabohe for the service. And this pastor, he was very gifted in preaching and advocating for pork. And the man preached so thoroughly well about pork and how it is okay. And really biblical, it is fine. So I convinced myself and walked back. And I said, Musuma wangangandye poka is okay. Katigwe stana badagera letagirite conscience. Fire! Kocha muriro murinyeri ayesu. Necho oyochanga techikwatika. So I went order for a, a kilogram of pork. And those of us who take pork, you can even take two. Especially when the guy dries it thoroughly well. <laughs> with the cabbage and the boiled matoke. Or even with the kaunga. I used to like it with the kaunga. <laughs> things of the flesh. <laughs> so I ordered and I took the kilogram and I quenched the, the, the longing for about two, three months or so. Said, The time I went to sleep, the Lord came to me in a vision. The voice said, I told you, you should never eat pork. And then all of a sudden I saw that day, the place where I was taking pork from, it turned into snakes. I was eating snakes. So in other words, God is saying, you are making your life dirty, too dirty for me to use. And then I repented. I said, Pork, I will miss you. Bye. <laughs> so friends, some of us, God has not used us for divine assignments. Possibly we have not listened to the Holy Spirit and we have continued to live ordinary lives yet we expect to be used by God in an extraordinary way. Lastly, in verse 4, they went to Celestia, to those provinces, and they sailed through different islands. This is Paul and Barnabas. And then they came to this place, and while they were at Paphos, they encountered a man who was a, a preconsul, a leader in the Roman government, and he desired to understand about God. And as they came to witness to him, remember they have been prayed for, laid on hands and consecrated and set apart. They are sent on a missionary journey. And they land into this province. And the Holy Spirit had actually set them apart to be witnesses to this heathen, to this uh, Gentile. And as they were trying to witness, this Gentile had a friend who was a magician by Jesus. And this man is trying to hinder them from witnessing. And Paul, because he's been set apart with Barnabas, they are, their spiritual senses are working properly. They know this man, and they 
And then immediately he, he was guided by the Holy Spirit to use the power that has been given to him. That power has been given to us. You remember when God mandated us that we shall trample over the scorpions and the serpents. And so he, he, he stands on the same power and he commands this Pharaoh. He says, I understand you are a magician. You are deterring the work of the kingdom. Therefore, let darkness hit your sight. And the guy lost sight immediately. So as people were leading him away, he started witnessing to this man, and this man came to Christ. Hallelujah. When we accept to be used by God, when we accept to be set apart, when other people choose ordinary lives, ordinary things, ordinary way of life, when other people choose to gamble, to lie, to indulge in sexual immorality, in indecency, in all evil, when people choose to, to live worldly, Double standards, they seem to be Christians, they love the things of the church, they love the things of the government of the Republic of Uganda. They are torn in between. For you don't be part of that. Step out of a worldly standard. Pursue the heavenly standard. And be witnesses. Paul and Cyrus and witnessed. Paul and Barnabas witnessed. Peter and John witnessed. Be witnesses of Christ wherever you go. In this month, the, the theme that we are running through as a diocese is evangelism. The essence of evangelism. Be a mouthpiece of God. Taylor said that the, the mandate of the commission, of the great commission, is not a choice to consider. It is a command to obey. When we yield to the calling of God and his guidance, he's going to use us tremendously. But above all, I can guarantee you, dear brothers and sisters, that the grace of God will sail us through this broken world. And by God's grace, we will be raptured. Hallelujah. We will be raptured and taken home. We will be raptured and taken to glory. I want to pray for you that from today, your focus will continue to change. Begin looking unto eternal rapture, eternal life, to spend your eternity with Christ. Oh, he said, Jim Reeves, I have a loving mother just over this low land, and I can't expect to stand until I shake her hands. She's waiting there for me. From heaven's open door And I can't feel at home In this world anymore Oh Lord, you know I have no friend like you My treasures are laid down Somewhere in the blues The angels beckon me from heaven's open door and I can't feel at home in this world anymore and so this world is not my home I'm just in passing through if heaven's not my home then Lord what will I do the angels beckon me 
from heaven's open door and i can't feel at home in this world anymore lord jesus we can't feel home in this broken world Therefore, we pray this morning that you help us. Give us all the grace that will discern your will for our lives, that our focus will be unto eternal glory that is set for the redeemed and for the saints, that we shall not indulge into sinful actions, that will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature, Holy Spirit, revive us. Revitalize our commitment. Re-empower us, O Father. Change our consciences and our wills that they will correspond with your will for our lives. Continue to set us aside, consecrate us, Lord, for that eternal assignment that you have. And I know for each one of us, there is that assignment. Help us, O God, to obey you. And bless us in the course of this day as we go out as your, as your witnesses. Continue to uphold us with your righteous and right hand. In the name of Lord God the Father, Lord God the Son, and Lord God the Holy Spirit. Amen.